Well, hello, and welcome to our very final episode of Series 1 of SCI Care, What Really Matters. And I am your new host, Associate Professor Ruth Marshall, the new president of ISCOS. These podcasts were launched at the end of June this year, and it has been an incredible journey. The series was to be a prelude to our virtual conference to encourage our ISCOS community to connect during this unprecedented time. We have now been listened to in a staggering 54 countries worldwide, which is something I don't think we anticipated. We have been charted in the Apple podcast charts. I didn't even know there were Apple podcast charts, but we have been charted in 14 countries, including the UK, Canada, Denmark, Saudi Arabia, and Australia, to name but a few. I think this is a testament to the fact that ISCOS provides a network to share, develop and advance and we welcome everyone who has an interest in providing the comprehensive care of people who have sustained a spinal cord injury or disease and are now living with those. Again, this has been echoed by the success of our first fully virtual conference which took place from the 1st to the 5th of September, as delegates streamed in from 58 countries and 89% of all registered delegates took part in the live conference. And of course, all the conference content is still available and you can still register if you haven't done so already so that you can access the content until uh, the 5th of October. So why was it such a success? Today, I am joined by my dear friend and immediate past president, Dr. Havinda Shabra, to discuss this. So welcome, Havinda, to our last episode of Series 1 of SEI Care, What Really Matters. Thanks, Ruth, and congratulations for becoming the president of ISCOS. I think the first lady president of ISCOS. I'm very proud, yes, to be the first woman elected, but I'm greatly honoured also uh, by the trust that so many people have given me to lead our wonderful organisation, which has been left, I think, in incredibly good hands by the work you have done over the last couple of years as president. It makes my task easier in some ways and harder in others because you are going to be such a hard act to follow. However, at this stage, let's just talk about our conference for a little bit. What apprehensions did you have about going fully virtual? Ruth, uh, like the pandemic brought in so many uncertainties, I think Going virtual was also a big uncertainty for us. Uh, It was a totally new format. We had never done this before. We were also apprehensive that uh, people across the globe would be more engrossed with the pandemic and the concerns that it brought. 
but there were practical issues also like uh, how do you tackle with the different time zones across the group that we thought was the main challenge uh, though we were trying to work out strategies to mitigate this but um, ultimately to come out with a schedule which would be suitable for people across the globe with different time zones was a big challenge the other apprehension was also the attention span while participating virtually especially since most of us would be doing this for the first time so this was our other concern and we needed to find out some strategy to mitigate this concern as well so i think one of the things that helped was the timing so if we had done this in may or june i think it would have been much harder by september so many of us were used to doing zoom meetings ms teams meetings health by telehealth and all sorts of other systems so we were much more used to doing things that we used to do hands on or in the same room in a more virtual setting for someone like me on the other side of the world to the UK time zones it was still possible because i was so used to now doing things by computer and not being in a meeting room with other people so i think that made a difference yeah very true Ruth. that did make a difference um, of course but then when we go in for a conference like i was discussing with various people when we were planning for uh, the virtual event generally people say that the conference may be a scientific event but there is a big social component of it right the socializing is one of the other attractions that participants look forward to in a face to face meeting and uh, despite the fact that uh, we were told that there could be uh, strategies through which we could get people to socialize but we that was still one of the other apprehensions that we had in mind as to how it would come out with the lack of a face to face interaction and the uh whether people could socialize how this would be perceived by everybody was the other concern i think that's right and i think that was probably one of the hardest things yes we had um the dancer size and yes it's socializing but i think it's also networking and it was much harder to network at this meeting because how we network is usually catching up at one of the breaks sitting down with one or two or a larger group of people with a cup of coffee or tea or something to eat and talk through a particular issue and if you if it's somebody you don't know you then swap email addresses or whatever and say well let's be in touch and continue this by email when we go home and i think that was one of the things that was much harder personally i'm hoping that we never have to go totally virtual again but we have learned a lot now there were lots of things that were different in different in the run up to our traditional conference but i think one of the things that helped and 
will be something I think we will continue to do is the podcast. I think the podcast really encouraged our membership to get involved and even towards the end of the run-up to the conference, we still had people registering and I think that at least in part it was the information they were getting out of the podcasts, particularly the discussions with the keynotes, that encouraged them to then register so that they could do and hear more. So I think that using the podcast was a very different way of encouraging people to get involved. What other things that were different in your thoughts, Havinda? Yeah, normally I think uh, having an ISCOS annual scientific meeting has become a routine and uh, uh, there's a set process which falls in place every time the meeting has to be held. Uh, There are roles and responsibilities which are decided upon. The executive has a role. The scientific committee has a role. The event management company has a role. And the delegates also know what to expect out of it. So the biggest difference here was the uncertainties that we talked about. And also, since we were to do it for the first time, so everything had to be worked out anew. So... Uh, whether it was uh, the virtual platform uh, for the conference, how uh, the recordings would work, whether we should have live uh, presentations, whether they should be recorded presentations, how to try to get the uh, participants to network amongst each other, socialize amongst each other. Uh, So there was Everything needed to be worked out anew and there was a lot of planning that was required. So a series of meetings, as you remember, Ruth, we had uh, so many meetings to decide on the virtual platform, the demonstrations, etc. So this was totally different from any other in-person meeting that we have had. And uh, the run-up was totally different from a traditional conference. But... I would say that we would definitely gain from the experience because as uh, uh, is being suggested, there are benefits of having a hybrid conference as well so that we can get people from across the globe, those who have never been able to participate for various financial, economical and logistic reasons, they can participate. So... uh, we, we could always have a hybrid conference subsequently such that people who can participate in person do participate in person, but others can join in virtually. So this, will, this experience will be very useful for us to plan for subsequent hybrid conferences. I think, I think that's right. But I think the other thing that we've learned in the run-up to the meeting is that we can do a lot of work by having relatively short meetings, Zoom meetings, of half an hour to an hour to organise programs, to um, put things in place. And we can do it much better now than we did it in the past, Um, which I think going forward will make the pre-organisation of conferences much easier um, because we've learnt so much 
from this. But I think COVID has taught us a lot too about doing things that we thought we could only do in person and now we know we don't have to be there in person. So, my friend, what surprised you about the conference experience? Ruth, uh, that the whole thing worked so well, right? Um, Whatever was planned worked so well was a very pleasant surprise. We talked about the concerns that we had. We tried to work on various strategies which would mitigate these concerns, but that they would work so well was a pleasant surprise for me. And that people enjoyed the conference so well was a very pleasant surprise for me. And uh, uh, like we were talking about the time zones, uh, the timings were kept such that uh, most of the people could join, though it was inconvenient for some, but uh, uh, then there were recorded talks which were available. To take care of the attention span while participating virtually, we reduced the number of hours per day and distributed the scientific content over four days rather than three. And I think that worked very well. And for the same reason, we have the presentation still available online for registered delegates, as you mentioned, till 5th October. So this took care of the first two concerns as well. And uh, as we talked about socializing, I think the what uh, the dancer size was such a big success and that came as a pleasant surprise for me. And then there were options for people to socialize through... Uh, live chat rooms, face-to-face video calls, and group Zoom lounges. I think I did not hear any complaint from any of the delegates, and all of them were very happy. Even on the last day, when you were taking over presidency in the closing ceremony, Ruth, there were a large number of people who joined in, and all of them were also writing comments in the chat box and all of them were pleasant things uh, which was uh, which gave a very good feeling about the whole thing yeah i agree um and a much better feeling than i expected you know i was really quite worried that people would turn off but in fact that wasn't the case at all And uh, the real problem was just like, you know, a face-to-face conference was that speakers were answering questions and the next session was already starting. And you had to say, well, we have to stop here now because um, there's another session. But people still wanted to ask questions and um, discuss issues. So that really made me feel like it was uh, the real thing. Uh, just like a real conference, like, well, it was a real conference, wasn't it? It was just that we weren't there uh, together, sitting next to each other, but we were, like we are now, using the airways, using the internet to still communicate and communicate well with each other. Okay, so... The response that we've received from the delegates, I think, has been really good. 
Um, we've seen a bit of it, and I know that Giorgio has received some other information. And of course, not everybody has yet answered the survey. Have you done your survey yet? Yeah, I have done that, Ruth. I haven't done mine, uh, but it's on my to-do list. Um, but uh, well received. And I think we re really had a wonderful scientific program with really fantastic speakers, um, both in the, in the workshops and the courses, but the plenary sessions as well. And of course, the free papers. And then we had the posters. And it was really nice being able to look at the posters in my time rather than in conference time. Because one of the things I find really hard to do when I'm at a conference and I'm talking to people is getting to see all the posters or even some of the posters. Um, but this time, we've really been enabled to look at the posters, which I think is uh, a real plus. And it's something that I am continuing to enjoy. Um, so uh, that, I think, is very special and something I think we have to learn about with posters that maybe we need to have them available for longer so that people can actually look at them properly and then send an email question to the authors. The hybrid conference, I think, as you've mentioned, is going to be something that means we can make ISCOS conferences more accessible for more people. I can see that we will have in the future many more people registering for our conferences if they didn't register this time but they've now heard how good it is and maybe they've looked over somebody's shoulder at a presentation that is being reviewed, um, that they realise how good it is and that they can then join in, even if some of us are there in person, other people can still join in to hear and see the presentations. I suspect that we will never go back to just having in-person, face-to-face meetings. What's your thought about that? Yeah, Ruth, uh, even before this pandemic started and we had to cancel the face-to-face -face meeting, we were discussing with the event managers on how we could get in a virtual component, that is, have it as a hybrid meeting. Since uh, we were trying to empower the special interest groups, so um, we had so many other disciplines like the physiotherapists, occupational therapists, the psychosocial group, the quality of life group, the spine trauma study group. And uh, many of these have members who are across the globe, have a large membership, but many of these members can't participate in an in-person conference because of the travel costs, the accommodation costs, the registration costs. So we were talking to them if we can have uh, during the special interest group workshop day 
a virtual component so that we can reach out to people across the globe. And then, lo, this pandemic happened and we had to have this virtual conference. But I think uh, we should see this as an opportunity in the adversity that we've been able to tap the virtual component. We now know that it works. People have been satisfied. They have been giving very encouraging responses. They have been saying that it worked very well. As you were talking, you could view the posters at your leisure, leisure time, but you can also download them and have them uh, see later. As uh, Doug was uh, giving his views that uh, in future also people who register for an in-person meeting, it should be possible for them to also look at the presentation subsequently so there are many benefits of a hybrid conference. You can reach out to more people and uh, people can avail the benefit. People attending the conference can uh, draw better mileage out of it. So I think this is going to be there to stay. We have created history by having a virtual conference this time. But Ruth, you will create history by having were a, a hybrid conference uh, the next time and maybe forever to come yes i think i think that's probably really true and i agree with doug that people who go to the face to face conference should have the same access to the online information as everybody else after the conference and i think that's very special there's a saying about crises that no crisis, no good crisis is worth wasting. And COVID created a crisis that we could never have foreseen but has really made us change the way we think about meetings and how we go about organising them. And... I have a meeting next week on Wednesday, which is a heads of unit meeting for the entire regional system. And it clashes with my outpatient clinic, which is never finished on time. And we could never go. And the um, they tried to do it using various systems to have us phone in. It was hopeless. Now, suddenly things that they could never do before, suddenly where most people do not attend the meeting in person but are there on their computers and uh, in their offices. It's made a huge difference and I think that's what we've all learned. And next year, hopefully, in Vancouver at the end of September and beginning of October, we will be very excited to be in their new convention centre for our 60th annual conference. But there will be people who are, as it were, dialing in from elsewhere in the world to join us virtually instead of coming for whatever reason in person. And I think that's very, very exciting for all of us. Going back for a moment, one of the things I was confused about with the virtual conference was the time 
between the end of a plenary session, for example, and when we met in the lounge for the Zoom questions. But, of course, it did allow people to get a drink and do whatever and then move to the Zoom page. And I I think that really worked well. And if we have a hybrid meeting, we may have to facilitate something similar because for the people on the computer, it is different than the people in the room. And we're used to people coming to the microphone and asking questions, but we may have to have maybe not a 10-minute break, but a two- or three-minute break so that people can log into the other system to hear the live discussion. That's something for us to work on with um, our wonderful conference people who have really done a fantastic job. Avinda, what for you were the conference highlights in the program? I think uh, the first and foremost thing, Ruth, was that, okay, we could do it. Despite the pandemic, we could have an annual scientific meeting this year, and it had all the features of a regular conference. It had so, and even we had the uh, annual general meeting, we had the executive meeting, we had the board meeting, and we could do everything. So I think this was a great uh, highlight. The other highlight was that we were able to successfully have a virtual meeting which would set the stage for subsequent hybrid meetings. Like uh, I was going through one of the comments that was there in the chat room, and um, it was by a participant who said, I had been to the Sydney conference in 2000, but after that, being a working mother, it was difficult for me. But now that the conferences have become virtual or hybrid, I'll be able to participate in the conference each year. I think that is the other highlight. It has opened various possibilities and um, it has made us stronger in conviction and... uh, It has given us the confidence that despite any challenge, we should be able to overcome it. Other feature was uh, that um, we have given the possibility, as you were talking about, for people to go through the presentations if they have missed it real time over a period of one month till 5th October. So people can at their leisure go through the presentations again or if they have missed it, go through it and absorb more the scientific content of it and see how they can adopt it in their day-to-day practice for the benefit of our constituency, the persons with spinal cord injury. So I think there were a lot of highlights, but one of the other things was that it demonstrated that we can work very well as a team. The executive, the board, the members, the event managers, the virtual platform company, the audiovisual company, the podcast group, everything fitted in so well that ultimately 
I think we had a successful conference and for me that was a great uh, highlight as well. I think at a scientific level I thought that the seminar type programs particularly the instructional courses and the workshops seemed to go really well and much better than I had anticipated. I was very concerned that they just wouldn't work. But in fact, they worked extremely well. I think a couple of the very special things were was the Network of Networks Day and at the other end, the World SCI Day workshop run by Jean-Gabriel Prevenaire and his team, which was really well received, incredibly interesting, looking at the thing that started off our podcast, the effect of COVID on people living with spinal cord injury. I thought that was an absolutely outstanding session and I hope that we continue to have sessions like those sessions because they really worked and they really worked in the platform that was virtual. In the future, we may also have an opportunity not only to have face-to-face conferences with hybrid uh, activity that allows other people to come in who can't attend, and I agree with you about people not being able to attend. Three of my young female colleagues here in Adelaide actually attended the meeting which they couldn't have done because they all have very young children. And going to conference, conferences when you have very young children can be very difficult. It really does allow other people to attend. And I, I do hope we have further podcasts, but I suspect we may also be able to have some virtual forums where there is a very important issue to discuss that isn't just the board or the executive, but is actually a day seminar or a half-day seminar that other people can join us for. I think we've had a very special year and I think it's been very different to anything we could have expected. And you are so right. We were able to show that we could have our 59th annual scientific meeting, even if we couldn't actually be sitting next to each other in the same room. And that in itself was very exciting and remains very exciting because it allows us to have a glimpse of what the future might be. Have you got any last comments, Savinda? Yeah, I agree with you, Ruth, that uh, the Networks of Networks meeting was a big highlight because It has opened all possibilities to involve the affiliated societies in the annual scientific meetings in the years to come to make them feel involved. I think that was a great start to a long-term collaboration with our networking societies. And um, it was only befitting that the Spinal Cord Injury Day, the initiative that we started five years ago, the last day of the conference fell on the spinal cord injury day. And as you mentioned, we could discuss 
on the impact of COVID on persons with spinal cord injury and uh, have a good scientific discussion in this regard. Yeah. And next year, World, World Spinal Cord Injury Day will again be not during the conference, but it may be a reason to have some special podcasts, may allow us to have a special uh, virtual seminar that links us around the world rather than each country and, in fact, each city doing their own thing, as it were. Ruth, we'll have two other reasons to celebrate next year. One, yes. it will be our 60th annual scientific meeting that calls for a celebration. But also, if we talked about the social component of any conference, there will be celebrations for your birthday during the conference. <laughs> so that will be the second cause of celebration. <laughs> so we are looking forward to it. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to it too in the beautiful city of Vancouver, and it is really beautiful. But I want to thank you, Habinda, for being a driving force in our society, not just for the last two years as president, but for so many years before that. And I know you won't stop working for us, but you were a driving force, perhaps the driving force on the Series 1 series of podcasts and I really hope that I can drum up some more very interesting options for podcasts. Having seen some of the things that have happened since our meeting already, I suspect I won't really have any trouble finding people to host to talk about what they're truly interested in and what they're doing. I'm very sure, Ruth, I'm very sure that you will be very successful in the second series of podcasts, Ruth. And I'm very sure that you will be very successful as a president. It is all teamwork and I can't take the credit of the good work that the team, wonderful team at ISCOS has been doing. I become their face. But the real hard work is done by so many people behind the scenes. I think that is the beauty of all of us. We are one big global family, uh, one big wonderful team. And that is imbibed within us as we work within spinal cord injuries, a specialty which requires so much of teamwork. I'm sure, Ruth, you will do very well. You cannot work in spinal cord injury outside of a team. It's impossible. And yes, you're right. The Iskos family is one very large international team. So, my friends, members of Iskos, fellows of Iskos, people who are not members of Iskos but have found their way to our podcasts, that's it for Series 1 of SCI Care, What Really Matters. We've come to an end, but you can catch up on our full series and dip in whenever you would like because they're still there. We'd love to hear from you, and particularly if there is a topic you would like us to cover or you have any questions about becoming an ISCOS member, you can email us through our admin office 
admin at piscos.org.uk. I thank Havinda Shabra for his leadership and his friendship. I'm thanking Heather Powell, who has been the IT and tech person who has supported us all through the development of these podcasts. And I now bid you all farewell, and I look forward to bringing you Series 2 in the not-too-distant future. Thank you.